Hey. You're there. Perfect. Look at this. Look at us go. Uh, so this is episode 135 of the Rolling and Rambling podcast with Steve Bertrand and my guest today, my friend Josh from Vancouver. So we're just going to get Hello. right into it. And, uh, Hello. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can. Can you hear me? Perfect. Excellent. So I just, I wanted to first thank you for, you know, actually wanting to be a guest on the uh, not so world renowned Rolling and Rambling podcast, but I appreciate the, the opportunity anytime we get to talk because we've got a lot uh, in common in terms of mindset and goals and all the other fun I agree. stuff. So I agree. You're one of the few people in my circle who have who has the same mindset as I do. Excellent. Yeah, and it's funny, um, you know, like they always say the cliche stuff, like you never know who you're going to meet and how you're going to connect with someone. Um, we used to work <laughs> together at yeah. a call for their, like, well, so I was there 2003 to 2005, so it was, that was almost basically 20 years ago, right? You know, yeah, and, it's a while. yeah, yeah. So, um, we've stayed in touch, you know, throughout the years. And, uh, you know, I think the last time we sort of really had a lot of conversations around stuff was when you did, um, I think it was Darren Weeks and the Canadian Rich Dad Poor Dad. We didn't do that together, but you did it because you were in, I think you were in Edmonton at the time when you were doing it or Alberta somewhere. Yeah. In BC, so we've always sort of kind of chased the dream of um, financial independence. Yeah, that's that's the term I'm looking for. Instead of you know the old as the ad the, the old adage that lots of people like to use for a job is the just over broke, right? You know, yeah. so we've, we've done a lot of that. But you know, um, why don't you tell uh, the listeners here uh, a little bit about yourself as far as you know what? Well, what... okay. Um, I'm from Alberta originally. Yeah. I moved out to Victoria when I was my early 20s and was a bum for the majority of my 20s. Okay. Um, in fact, that's actually <laughs> where I met you during my bum years. Perfect. And then I, I read, uh, my, my younger brother gave me a book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which I'm sure. And right. him yeah, I decided Robert to try and book? do. Yeah, tried to do the old real estate thing. He was uh, in oil and gas, okay. and he had a lot of money. <clears throat> Excuse me. Okay. And I was going to do the whole do the work thing. He's the money man. I'm the work man. Um, right. We floundered around a lot for a couple of years. I made some offers. They all got denied, or he backed out. A lot of lot of small problems. Right. Um, until I found a house in Nanaimo, a uh, perfect little cozy one bedroom on a huge lot that was that was zoned for a fourplex, and I knew it was an opportunity, so I contacted him and he ghosted me. I didn't hear anything from him, so um, that was kind of dead in the water at the moment. Then my what, parents what were. Was that? What year was that? That was when I was. I found that property when I was 34, 33, 34 in there. 
Um, and how old are you now? I am. I just turned forty-one. So it was okay. a while ago. So yeah, like yeah. Set, set, well, was, yeah, yeah, so seven years ago. That that maps out to the timeline that we talked about before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my parents were kind enough to lend me some money to move forward. That's um, awesome. Yeah, no, it was. I was very fortunate. My parents are amazing people. Really, really good. Um, so the property was listed for 180000 And yeah. I offered um, a lease with an option to purchase. The property was for sale for a while, and the owner really wanted to get rid of it, and nobody wanted it, which right. boggled my mind. Um, it was It's the biggest property on the street with the smallest house. It's, it's great. So, awesome. yeah, uh, lease with an option to purchase with $10,000 down for two years with a one year extension for 5,000. Cool. So I rented, I rented the property for two years and then did the extension for 5,000 and then bought the property at the end of the third year. At cool. that point, at that point, the property appraised for like a hundred thousand dollars more than I paid for it. It was, it was crazy. Nice. Um, yeah. I, in that time, during the three years, I had tried to move forward with the actual building of the property, get doing all the steps. I didn't know what to do. Right. Um, like, well, I didn't know what my first step was. While I was working in Victoria, um, I was doing day labor for a bit. And I got sent to a job site where it was just one-on-one with the project manager. Yeah. So a, a guy named John. And we got a small relationship going, and he was kind enough to offer to walk me through the initial steps on what to do. So with his help, I started moving forward. I got a surveyor for the property and an architect and started talking to the city. Um, But before I knew it, the the money that my parents had lent me had all disappeared. Right. Um, And the... It was going to require another uh, twenty or thirty thousand dollars just to deal with the architect, and right. then I'd have a whole bunch of other costs on top of that. So I realized with my job that I had, there was no way I'd be able to afford to do it, um, afford to move forward with the build to actually financially do it. And what what were you doing at the time? Um, construction on the island. I was working oh. by the hour. Okay. Uh, steel stud framing, mostly. Right. Uh, I decided to move to Vancouver, live in the back of my, at the time, a blazer, and okay. do piecework in Vancouver because that it pays me two or three times as much as I make on the island. Okay, cool. And doing that, I cleared up all the stupid debt that I had during my 20s. And I started saving for the down payment to do the construction. Okay. Yeah. And that's, and that's kind of where I am now. That's the process that you're in right now? I'm on the back end of it. I'm almost I'm almost done. Cool. And so you've been, well, started with a blazer. Now you're living in the back of a van, which, um, yes. you know, we, we need to take a, a sec for the sort of appreciation of dedication for someone to live in a van in another province in order to make enough money to make your dream work. And you've been doing this for seven years, right? I don't, um, I, I don't, I don't like giving up. 
um, yeah. the thought well, that, well, of that, me. That's clear because I've, I've slept in the front seat of a car maybe twice in my life and hated it for, and it wasn't even for a, like one time I, I've locked my keys in my apartment and I managed to get into the parkade and I had my car keys at the time were separate. So I slept in the front seat of my car until the morning and then drove to my parents' place, got the extra set of keys to my house and got myself in and then just sort of went about my day and slept for the afternoon on that, on that Sunday, but sleeping in a car for one night was horrible. So you've been doing that for, you know, seven years, basically. I know you're more set up than sleeping in the front seat of a car, obviously, but still the dedication that it takes us to, to live in a van, not so much down by the river, but probably down by the ocean, um, you know, is, is quite awesome. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure I would, I'd not have to ask you, I'm, I'm going to make an assumption that um, there's been plenty of times within the seven years that you questioned your own sanity and whether you're doing all the right stuff or did that ever sort of happen for you? I'm done with living in the back of a vehicle. Yeah. Um, but did you doubt the process at all in the last seven years? I know, I know now you're sort of fed up with it and probably over the last maybe 18 months to two years, it, getting closer and closer to getting frustrated but like even in the early stages of the process um how did you feel about it did you did you just always sort of focus on the end goal and that that kept you going or how did you just stay motivated to stay living in a van um uh, i don't know how to answer that i the, the, i don't i don't give up well, like, that, you know, that, I, that I just let, right? let me try and work through that because yeah. it's it's not an easy question to answer for me. Um, I, I I I felt depressed, lonesome, um, depressed. I said that already, but like I can't state that enough. Yeah, it, uh, I'm by myself all the time. It, it's very easy when what your goal is so far away to lose sight of why you're doing it yeah yeah i, I second guessed myself I, I mean i've sacrificed a lot like doing what i'm doing i look around me and everybody has families and other yeah. other things that i could have had if i yeah. didn't choose the road i'm on right but yeah to, so i guess to answer your question yes i doubted myself quite a bit yeah okay cool doubt, and, and doubt, what, what what pushed you through the doubt I can't picture myself living the life everybody else is living. I can't picture myself getting up to go to the same job for the rest of my life, working for somebody else for the rest of my life, being told what time to show up. Uh, I, I can't. I can't have my life controlled. I can't. And I understand that there's areas where that I have. I have no control. Right. Um, well, I want well, a family. I want kids. But if yeah. you don't if if you don't get into that the right way, those things can be chains on your ankle. You're, you get a wife. You get a kids. Then you have the you have the responsibility of that, and right. that responsibility forces you into certain to do certain things. Right. And my goal is to unshackle myself from that responsibility. Excellent. And still have a 
a good life, if that makes sense. Absolutely. So, so obviously the goal with this property then is to be able to complete the, the construction and have the fourplex and rent it out. Um, and then basically do the old Robert Kiyosaki thing and basically have income coming out of the property. Is that ideally? Yes. Yeah. Ideally. Um, the times that we're in right now have made that goal shakier, but right. it is, yeah, that, it, that is the end goal. Yeah. Right. Because, because uh, if I, if I understand the process and most people, this is what they go for is, is your goal is to hopefully like cash flow. And basically for anybody that doesn't understand uh, a property cash flowing is obviously um, when you're, when you're charging rent for uh, a piece of property that the rent is more than the expenses associated with the property, obviously. So you have some cash coming out of it. And then the opportunity would then be to, hopefully use some of the equity in the in this development after it's been done and all that stuff and then go and sort of repeat the process and then eventually down the road have um more than one property to manage that also cash flows to the point where you're basically kind of income on autopilot if we could oversimplify it for the people that are listening right correct um yeah, yeah. the idea like you said is to, to get the fourplex built and rent it out the right. key is once it's rented out is to refinance it. Um, okay. A lot of, a lot of what the, the quote unquote rich people do. That's why they never sell their properties. They just refinance. It. The refinance money is tax free. It's okay. not capital gained. It's, it's nothing like that. It's, it's just leveraged equity. And right. if your tenants can cover it, then it's almost free money. Almost. Right. Right. Cool. Yeah. So the so the goal is to like and that you know it's it's many a truth are said in jest. Like a lot of people, you know, joke around and say it's it's hard to make your first million. Uh, and so some people have always said, so I'm just working on my second million instead. And then always cracked me up. Yeah. But essentially, essentially, it's the same idea with this. I mean, the doing your first property and getting it to the point where where it cash flows and you have equity in it to refinance and things like that. That's the most difficult part of this process, I would imagine. And then once this happens, the second step in the second property, provided that, that there is some sort of balance in the universe with, um, with real estate market and all that kind of stuff, eventually um, it should continue to work and continue to grow and then get yourself into a point where you can, like you said, refinance tax free and, and all those types of things. So, uh, it, the this is this is by far the hardest thing I've ever done, by far. Yeah. It. it yeah. Um, and, but and I guess get this is hard to answer. I, I I guess this is hard to answer right now, and and because I think it's a good question to ask now, instead of at the end of the process. Because at the end of the process, the answer will obviously be yes. Um, well, it should be yes. But I'm just wondering, like. If you if you got asked now and you got put on the spot, um, and and I mean other than your amazing resolve and the not give up, which obviously pushed you through a lot of the stuff that other people wouldn't go through, um, has this process been worth it? In like, if you're being as self aware as possible, are, are you think it's been worth it up to this point? Yes, yes. Excellent. The person, and, the person I have become, I like me. I I really like who I am. 
And before I did this, this is going to sound cheesy as hell. But well, before well, I did this, I did. I never felt like a man. Like it. Yeah, I totally, I it totally was, understand that. It. It. I was a boy. Um, and right. any time I was in trouble, my parents bailed me out, or right. like it was always other people, other people helping me. I, I was never be able to stand on my own and get something on my own accomplished. Right. But this, this I've earned. I've earned yeah. this. That's awesome. Um, so, like when it when it's done, I can look back and say I actually, I earned it. This is me earning it. I think. Excellent. Um, yeah. That's awesome. Um, and I uh, I prepped you with a couple questions uh, earlier today, and one of them I'm always curious about because things change so often. I mean, we've covered a lot of what 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 I, I wanted to get to your story and the fact that finally somebody that I specifically know is actually doing the rich dad, poor dad stuff in the real estate game. I um, know, I know <laughs> it's, it's because, hard to find people who do this. Right. Like it's like, yeah, especially our age group. Like, like, you know, there's, there's lots of, there's lots of property management companies and then people that have been doing it for a long time. It's also exceptionally difficult to do it without, like, I know your family helped you out a little bit, but, but like a lot of times in these situations, um, there is sort of like family money or house money where where there's multi generations or cousins or brothers and sisters that all go in on a property and do this together. So you've got four or five people earning towards the same goal that you're earning, and that's why a lot of people that do this, I think, locally, um, maybe don't have to live in a hand for seven years. So the fact that you're doing this by yourself, I mean, you did get a bit of help from from your parents and we don't want to, we don't want to neglect that part, but, but 90% of the work and the, and the effort and the sweat equity as they call it has been on your shoulders. Right. So that's definitely already something to be proud of, but I always, I always wonder, you know, um, and you, you, you like who you've become. So obviously like we, we probably wouldn't go back and change anything even if we could, but hypothetically, if you were to do this process over again, was there, was there anything that you would do differently? I would have realized that I needed to do it on my own a lot sooner or not necessarily do it on my own, but um, be prepared to do it, be in a position where I could do it on my own. Like uh, when I first started going, had this idea with my younger brother, I was in no financial shape at all. I had debt and, I don't taxes that were haunting me for years. Like I, I didn't, I didn't take care of my financial life at all. I, 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 I didn't care. Um, right. by, by the time I did care, clearing up all the debt took, took time. And right. there, like, there's, there was always one more debt, another letter from the government that I owed $7,000 for some stupid. Yeah. It, so it you was, were, um, so, so you would say like, you know, if you could go back and clear that debt up sooner and be prepared for that, you know, because it set you back even further than you are. So your journey may have been, uh, it would have been a lot been, sooner. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and also I think for the housing prices and all the way everything moved, I mean, you probably wouldn't have the, maybe not as much instant equity like you did after you purchased the property, but this process would have been started sooner and everything would have been a bit more further along. Right? Yeah. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, um, and then the other question, I mean, I, I mean, you're sort of given, given those answers out as you're answering these questions, which is why it's great. But if, um, if you had to start again, like if, if you decided at 41 instead of 34 that you were going to do this, would you do the same thing? Would you still go real estate or what would you do if you had to? So, so let's just, so the, the goal is financial, the financial independence. So let's, let's like, I don't know. I don't know if we want to put a number on that. I don't know if it's, let's just call it like, I don't know. I mean, don't even know I, what you would call it. Let's I don't see, what, think financial depend, independence right now is, should be specifically the goal. I think people need to be prepared for what's coming. I don't yeah. think we're he headed into a good economic situation at all. Yeah. And if if I was to get a, get wiped right now, I wouldn't try and buy a piece of property. Um, okay. I'd probably still live in the back of my van, but I'd be buying precious metals left, right, and center. Okay, cool. Most uh, I, silver right now is what I would be buying, which I am buying. Everything that I've saved is in precious metals. It's the best savings mechanism I've ever found. Awesome. Cool. So that, that would be where you would go if you had to start again. Yeah. Um, and it uh, doesn't, it doesn't have counterparty risk. It's the biggest, it's been money for 5,000 years, gold and silver. There's no counterparty risk and nobody, unless it's stolen, nobody can take it from you. Governments right. can take money out of your bank account. Like it, it you got to right now. I think the most important thing is to preserve the wealth that you have. Inflation is eating away the money in your bank account. Right. The teller sneezes, they can lock your account out. Or the bail-ins that happened in Greece, that can happen in Canada. Like it, yeah. It, it, I don't. I don't think we're going into a very. And I think people aren't prepared for it. There's a, there's a good chance for that. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I, um, I put some money into some, uh, some different cryptos, not into Bitcoin specifically, but other cryptocurrencies. And just over the last couple of weeks, it's, it's dropped quite a bit. Um, but of course my, my investments in, in the stock market, you know, you and I have, have differing views of that, but I've always had more of a balanced, um, I, I've always, I've always leaned towards, for me specifically, and again, this this podcast, we should say openly that we are we are not we are we are just telling stories and not giving any specific financial yeah. advice to anyone. And if you are going I'm to do any of these things, um, yeah, don't you know, listen to me. Don't listen to me. Yeah, well, and just also, you know, make sure that you know we're just CYA here on the Old Rolling Ramble podcast. So none of this stuff should be taken at face value. And do your own due diligence and your own research, but. Above CYA. and beyond that, I've always been, I've always been a guy that likes the stock market and likes mutual funds and likes safe investments, and I like it managed by somebody else. Because even if I was in a position to own property and to be a property manager and and have a tenant and things like that, there's been things that have happened in my family specifically that make it not as appealing to me. And also, I think just because I'm in the wheelchair, I wouldn't necessarily be able to be going over and and fixing, um, you know, a light fixture or or repairing the washing machine or, or figuring out why the, why you got no hot water or anything like that. So I'd be paying somebody on top of that to do all that stuff and probably eating up my profits in the early years. That's why I don't go that direction specifically, but um, 
I've had my own problems. I had 615 ounces of silver stolen from me, which at the time was close to $15,000. Wow. There's, there is danger in my method as well. Yeah. I guess there's danger in everything, right? Like that's, that's one of the takeaways, but I think the idea, um, the idea behind it is, um, is, is, you know, it's it's sovereignty for me. Well, yeah, and I think, um, and and I think there's a one thing that this whole uh, recent couple of years has taught. Uh, I think a lot of people is that I think we were feeling our lives with things that kept us busy, and we never really had to sort of. This is my opinion specifically. We never really had to sit with ourselves and decide whether we really liked ourselves or not. And then, you, you know, you're forced to do a lot of the hard work and yeah. a lot of the, the yeah. deep, and you have a lot of deep, shitty conversations with yourself. And then, oh, they're you know, the worst. So, and, and then for me, like, you know, the, the, and, they, and they still happen. Like, that's one thing that I want to make clear to everybody is they, they still happen. And well, one of the things that I've, I've noticed, and, and I don't know if, Josh, if you feel the same way about this, but everyone like especially in the entrepreneurial space and, and in the head space space, like with Eckhart Tolle and, you know, meditation and all that kind of stuff, they always tell you what you need to do, but not a lot of people tell you how to do it. I mean, obviously meditation and things like that is obviously a little bit easier to, to uh, conceptualize, but it's not like, like, so, so just on a personal note, I've been meditating every day for 10 minutes or more. Um, every day since the six. So my six was, so the six was the first day. So I just, I I decided that I needed to do something else. I saw a little clip on Tom Bilyeu's podcast from Joe Dispenza. He's got a book called Becoming Supernatural that I've downloaded on Audible and haven't read yet. Um, But he said, one of the things we do, um, and this was interesting and you might feel the same way. And I, once he said this, I realized it, it was really relevant to me. He said, you know, when you have anxiety or depression or, or anything like that, um, especially when you're having some sort of anxiety around a certain thing that, you know, we tend to, we tend to, you know, use willpower and, and go through a lot of things and, and try and work stuff out. But, but the body itself has its own level of comfort with um, certain situations and the way that things go. So he said that the body actually, um, if it's unfamiliar with, with things and it feels fear itself, like it'll work physically to get you back into that situation that it's comfortable with, even if it's bad, which makes sense on why, um, you know, some people go back to jobs that they don't like, or to keep hanging around people that they don't like, because like they get a physical reaction when they're away from those situations, even though they want to change it. Like same with smoke. So smoking or, or addiction um, has a lot of, to do with that. So anyway, the, the point I, I found is I realized there was some situations where I do that. And we're, we're programmed to do it because of social media as well. And I'm bad at just checking the phone for no reason and all that kind of stuff. But meditation helps with that because it helps with neural pathways and, and it helps you to calm your brain and, and sit and just like, like be there with crappy thoughts. And most people think with meditation that, you know, you're, you're sort of quote unquote failing if you've got all these thoughts rolling around, but it's not about that. It's about trying to do your best to calm yourself 
in those situations. But one of the things that's become very apparent is it's easy for me to sit in a chair and meditate for 20 minutes at the end of my night. But what, what becomes difficult for most people and why they don't stick with the habit is it doesn't seem to help in world world situations where you don't have like in my new job that I'm starting at the uh, Canada trust, I'm not going to be able to like tell a customer to hang on and then just like close my eyes and breathe deep and get into a Zen space while they're waiting to get their check. Right. So, so the goal for me is to still be able to take peace and to center my mind while that's happening. But, but not a lot of people tell you that part of the process. And it's the same with the, real estate or all the investing or Bitcoin or anything that anybody goes into, they tell you that you should be in this space or you should be doing these things, but nobody ever tells you all the stuff to get ready for, or like, like I would imagine in your situation, if you could have picked someone's brain, like you did that original uh, uh, project manager on that construction site, if he could have then told you, you know, the number one thing that I would recommend for you, Josh, is to get your finances in order first so you're further ahead before you start this. Um, I think that would have been valuable information, but you only ever get snippets along the way. That's why when you go through these journeys, you've got to do I'm, them yourself, right? I'm not sure I would have been ready to hear it. Like, I, that's I, too, I, agree, yeah. I agree with what you're saying, Um but I find that people can give you the best advice in the world, but if you're not in a place where mentally ready to listen to it, like most people will just go, yeah, 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 I know what I need to do. Right, right, right. That's a good point too, yeah. Um... I, I knew in my 20s I shouldn't be spending all my time hacky sacking, but I was a moron and skipped work to do it. Like. I, people right. told me I shouldn't do it, but I did it anyway. Like because I, there wasn't anything to drive me to be better. Right. And and I, I personally, I think that's a societal issue. I mean, we're very comfortable. The yeah. enemy of per, what is what's that saying? The enemy of great is good. Yeah, our life or, is good. Yeah, and it's very very comfortable. Like there's nothing. It is. And and. and, I, and you do not grow when you're comfortable. You don't. You only grow when you're not comfortable. And and everybody is afraid of being not comfortable. Yeah. 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 And and what what most people don't recognize, and this is one of the things that I've gone through with the process. And again, you being alone, you know, in a van and having all these deep conversations with yourself is is that at a certain point you start to recognize patterns in your brain where you're like oh, yeah. it's doing this again, and it's causing me a problem about this that doesn't yeah. exist or whatever, right? So so the more you have those conversations with yourself, the more um, in control you can feel. Um, I'm, you, start, I'm, you start to understand the way your other voice thinks, and you can control it a little bit better. You can anticipate a little bit better. Yeah, and as and you I, do that, you can navigate yourself better. It's... Yeah, yeah, you have to have I mean, those deep conversations with yourself. You have to let that voice talk or else you don't know what a big side of you thinks. Yeah. And well, then when I you're know. in situations, you react the way you shouldn't, which goes back to that meditation. You meditate, yeah. and when you're in those awkward situations, 
eventually that's the point of meditation is to develop that deep calm you know who you are you can handle yeah. this well and i think the other thing too that i've realized is um i think we've you might have heard it on previous podcasts that i gave my other voice uh totally calls it the false self i gave it a name i call it bartholomew just because i wanted some <laughs> fancy name because then i can i can have a conversation with that part of my brain and we could reason things out together and also it allows me to observe more and just be like that's interesting why is that happening like what do i feel about this all those different types of things like even even today for instance i went and got my um i got my third booster shot and you know the first two were pfizer and the second one's moderna well i've been hearing a lot of people having adverse effects to the third shot you know, uh, if they get Moderna and I was like, I want Pfizer. They said, they don't have Pfizer. We'll do this. We'll do this with Moderna. And, you know, there was a moment where I was like, where I started going, going down the rabbit hole, um, you know, flushing the toilet, as I call it sometimes with, the, with the thoughts going around in a loop. And I just, I just realized like, um, the goal was to, for, for me specifically was to be, have that booster shot before I go back to my, to, to before I start my new job. And so Whatever happens based on that, um, I'll deal with, number one, because I can. And number two, um, the more I'm starting to understand my own brain, um, and this is pre-pandemic and pre-all these different things, I think there is a, a, a big proponent of being able to talk yourself into, into some like especially like a seasonal cold, like something in the summertime. So I think you can yeah. talk yourself into into certain things as well. I remember yeah, specifically, yeah. Well, and I remember I, I always think about our previous, you know, when we worked at the call center, how they had, <laughs> how they had um, for a while. Remember they had a bonus if you didn't miss work for X amount of time, and then you would get extra I money. I never got that bonus. No. Well, well, and, and I and, and I had to miss a few times too. But you know, but like you would have people on the floor with like a regular flu or something like that, throwing up in a garbage can at the end of the aisle of call center or the aisle of all the cubicles, um, just so they could keep their extra bonus of a couple hundred bucks or whatever it was. So yeah. one, of the, one of the benefits out of all of this is anytime you get a sniffle now, you're home. And I hope once, once all this is over, that aspect of things stays because num the number one thing, a pandemic or not, I do not like getting sick at all. I think it's a waste of time and I get super whiny and I want my mom and I'm 40 years old and I'm okay with, <laughs> with admitting that. Um, but I don't like to get sick. And so I hope that part of it stays. But the interesting part about all this is to understand how much you can talk yourself in and talk yourself out of, you know, you never had, it's also a plus and minus, I think in, in, in your situation is that you've never had anybody to talk you through some of this stuff, but you've also had never had anybody to like, like in your ear all the time to talk you out of it. You know what I mean? Um, like you spent a lot of time by yourself, but I'm sure you've had friends and family look at you like you're crazy a couple times and different things like that. But, but you know, if you lived with somebody in that van and they, and they got tired of it before you did, there's a good, there, there might be a chance where you had had a chance to get talked out of it if they caught you on the wrong day. So, you know, there's, there's blessings with everything that you're dealing with. And, you know, like you said, I think this is a, you know, it's the best thing that you've done and you're happy with it. And you, you know, you said it sounded cheesy, but you felt like a man, which I totally understand that um, after doing this and you felt like a boy before, but 
you know, once this is, once this is through its process, whatever you go through after this, um, you know, I don't want to jinx you. I'm going to knock on wood a little bit here, but, but I, um, I, I would, I would foresee there won't be much else in your life that'll be harder to do than what you're doing now. Yeah, right? probably not. Like I, I it, just, I, there know. might be, there might be harder. Like, how do I say this? This is hard over an extended period of time. Yeah, there might be something harder that's a lot shorter. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think you know, like when we go through, you know, if we lose a friend or family or some sort of tragedy happens yeah. in, the, yes. in the shorter term, that's harder to deal with. Um, you know, but but like this is this is um, prolonged torture to a degree. Some to it some parts, but really, you have to be able really to. Is. It really, it's, it's getting, I'm, I'm at my wit's end. I want it to be done. Yeah. But I want it to be done. Giving my, giving myself, <laughs> um, more and more <laughs> that, yeah. No, just yeah. Well, plus his life by here, but I'm, I'm starting to ease the burden of what I'm doing through monetary stimulus, which isn't smart. Well, but, but you also have to remember too, and this is one thing because I was thinking about this a lot. Like, like because we talked about you know different options about you know selling early and doing these different types of things and going a different direction, and you're like, I don't want to stop because my original goal was this, and and that's admirable, but like. One of the things I, I never sort of conceptualized to the point where I was able to explain this to you, and this is again just my opinion, but yeah. whatever result comes out of this process, this is still a process that ninety eight point seven percent of the population would never do. Like, no, like, nobody. I don't, I don't know anybody who would do what I'm doing. I Not yeah, and I actually I, I actually don't think like like even some of the people that have made money in real estate, I don't think like it's like. It's like okay, well, you can do this if you get help from your friends and family, um, but that's not going to happen for a while. So here's the other option: you can live in a van and, you know, just eat shit for basically seven years and still have it happen. Most people wouldn't take the van option, right? So, so there's there's a level, or or if anybody would take. It. So so like like, and I just want you to remember this and let it ruminate for you because I think we all need this encouragement as well. Is that is that no matter what you do after this or, or however the process pans out for you, it's a hundred percent successful for you, for what you wanted it to do. And I know you have an end result that will make it a hundred percent successful for you, but I just wanted you to remember like the fact that you have done this for as long as you have and learned the things that you have and developed the way that you have, you want already. Right. So just remember that because. Thank you. I appreciate yeah, that. I, I, and I mean, it goes both ways because for, for a lot of years, and especially even recently, like I had to, I had to really get myself into a position where, if you look at my, my podcast that averages you know, six seven views a, a listen, which I appreciate every single one of you, of course. Um, Rocking those and, seven, I love every one of you. Appreciate it, and all you know, and then you've got I've got a hundred and fifty some odd YouTube videos. I've got my blog posts on rolling motivation, blog posts on cool vehicles. I tried to make T-shirts. 
to sell with cool vehicles that didn't really work. I was going to be a motivational speaker and do all these different things, run workshops. And I can't seem to really, I could get a few honorariums here and there that I did some accessibility consulting and no one paid for that because it's, you know, anything above and beyond building code, people just didn't really want to spend the money for or didn't yeah. have the capacity yeah. to like. So if you look at all the things that I've done, you know, it's easy to look at that list of stuff and say, I have failed at all these things. And one of the things that I had to get to, was I had to understand that it is not there. And I, I would say, um, even previously, I, I described this as they, they actually, because like, I would always say, if I'm having a bad day, they were a list of failures. If I'm having a good day, they were a list of successes. But it's no longer about that. There's no more emotional attachment to it for me, where it's they are simply a list of things and skills and stuff that I have done. They are... I, I look at them for the journey more than the result now. And so there's no attachment either way to me at this point. And I, I wouldn't be where I am developmentally um, without those things. And I think that's one of the reasons why I was able to eat a nice big piece of humble pie without worrying about it by going back to the bank because I worked there in 2007 to 2009. But I was a full-time teller back then, and it was very, very hard on me physically and mentally and emotionally and all that stuff, you know, and trying to do all that. Whereas, like, you know, even if I had to go full-time now at 39, I know I would handle it better than I did at 24, 25. And so, but w one of the things that allowed me to know that I don't want to go full-time is because I'm 39 and I've been through all this stuff. So if I can go part-time, still have my disability benefits, still have a few little side projects. Um, I can, I can live my life comfortably and figure things out. You know, like I always wanted to make a goal of, of buying my own place and having a house and yard and lots of places for hot rods, maybe a dog, depending on if I can find one that's hypoallergenic that is not ugly. Um, Cause most of the hypoallergenic dogs, I don't find look that great. But, um, but, you know, I'm also starting to be really content with the life that I have. Um, and I look around and a lot of people are going through a lot of stuff. And like you said, there are a lot of people that, um, that are just going to a job that they don't like and they're, and, you know, they have to go in and do this thing. And, and again, if everyone's made that choice, I don't want to make anybody feel bad because you did what you needed to do to take care of yourself and take care of your family. And you also probably went the route of what society told you to do, which is also fine. And again, I'm not picking on anything specifically for anybody, but I'm. This is my own interpretation of of me trying to apply for government jobs for the last year and a bit. Um, I got some interviews. I got screened in a couple different times, and I just never got one of the jobs. And I I had this revelation before I applied for TD that, well, if this application process is any indication of what the job is going to be like. Um, it would take so much mental energy for me and so much um, fatigue. Like I would have so much fatigue from it. I believe that I wouldn't ever really enjoy my days and that might be all I ever do. Cause it would be a full-time job. Yes. There's benefits and pension and all the stuff that people want, but, but at the end of the day, does that serve my purpose for what I want to do as a person? And I don't think it did for me. And the other okay. thing that I, I realized, and I again, no judgment on people, but this is purely from my observation. I have never met anybody that has worked for government in a government job that has been 
over the moon excited about their job. Um, The reason why that's important is most people that I actually run into are like, meh, it's okay. And a a good chunk of them are also people that just don't like their job at all, but do it because they have to do it. And that's very old school. Like there's lots of our parents' generation sort of went to work to do stuff and then have money to, to pay for things. And and I mean, we see that a lot in, the chains that I was talking about before, the responsibility that people were forced into. They have to do a certain job because they have responsibilities they need to be like take care of. They got families, they got dogs. Yeah. Right. And and you know, like for me for me, like, you know, and I mean this is just Tim Ferris for our work week stuff and Gary Vaynerchuk stuff that will you know, like people are are living their life and doing things um for 65 years to then finally live when they don't have the body to live when they're older um, because they're finally able to retire. And for me, being somebody with a disability, I don't know where I'm going to be physically in 20 years. Realistically, before I got my CPAP machine, I was getting up to pee because of all these different things. Basically like I'd wake myself up. So, so essentially with, I'm not a doctor, so I'm going to try and explain this the best way that I can is when we're awake, our, our body sort of processes stuff and we get liquid and then it goes into our bladder and then we pee it out. But when we sleep, we have a, like a hormone or an enzyme or something that slows down the, the urine making process. But because with sleep apnea, you startle yourself awake so many times at one point when it was really bad, I was waking up every hour and a half to two hours um, to, to, to pee. And um, then I also had high blood pressure that was like double what it was supposed to be. Should have had a stroke. Like there was lots of things that were going on. Did you there. have COVID? No, this was this was a couple of years ago. Uh, like, that, sounds, was, that sounds like when I had COVID. This was this was all this was all over the span of my lifetime because I got a I got my CPAP machine I think in 2018, so that helped with the sleeping through the night, not having to get up to pee. And then also, I had high blood pressure in 2016, and the chart is still on my fridge that tells me at one point my blood pressure in a 24-hour period for one of the tests, because I test you every hour, uh, one of the tests was 240 over 139, and healthy wow. blood pressure was to be uh, 120 over 80. And so I, if, if my blood pressure was like that on a regular basis, which obviously it was because they tested me for 24 hours, I should have had some sort of stroke or or something and so i honestly up until about two or three years ago didn't think i was going to make make it to 40 especially not 50 right um and so now i've got some sort of thank you so i've got some sort of goal for the future where i can actually feel like i want to plan and and knowing after having staph infection a couple of years ago and the blood pressure stuff and then the CPAP machine, I started to realize like that my taking care of my body and, and being happy and healthy and, and having some sort of balance in my life has been very important. Now I say that as an educated individual um, and I make choices based on that, but my, my internal drive is I want to work 18 hours a day and do all the stuff because I want all the cool junk that everybody else has. I physically can't do that, but my brain says, yes, you can. And that's when I go and I sort of hit a brick wall. So I'm fighting the, um, I'm fighting the idea of not working hard enough. I'm air quoting that um, 
to 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 bring balance into my life and to bring happiness and then once i started doing that more same with the meditation it started to be more and more comfortable and then i started looking at things like okay what am i really good at like i'm good at customer service obviously good at talking uh, and i liked that job it was just too much so now here's a part-time job in the same place and because of covid it's only nine to five monday to friday and it's 15 hours a week so it'll be somewhere in nine to five Monday to Friday that I'll have my 15 hours or, or more if they need me for a little bit. Um, but I'll be able to go there, um, do my job, have fun, talk to some, some customers and then come home and be able to watch Netflix or do whatever I want to do. And I'll be content. Whereas like some of the other stuff that I was always doing was the motivational stuff and the videos and the, the Instagram posts and all those things. And again, they were great and they're developmental and I'll never really put them away completely. But I always, I never really felt like I ever could just stop doing stuff without feeling lazy or without feeling some sort of guilt like I should be posting or should be doing something. So me getting a job at something that I'm good at and, and pushing against the idea that I need to work 20 hours a day and sleep for, um, has really sort of helped me understand that the rat race in the same way you're looking at the rat race is, you know, not necessarily for me. Right. Um, and it takes a lot of, takes a lot of chutzpah, a lot of stones to, uh, to admit that, that, you know, you want to do something in the short term. Cause we look at seven years and you're like, Oh my God, that's a long time to live in the back of a van, which it is. But in seven, seven years in terms of, you know, 80, 90 years of life is not that long for that sacrifice. In, and not, in not, just, not just 80 or 90 years of life. What I'm doing is going to be able to set up my kids. That's so, true. So what I'm doing is, is intergenerational. I'm, Which is also Dave, something. Dave Ramsey says, change your family tree. That's Well, no, that's what my parents did because – they put themselves in a situation where they were able to help me and my brothers. Like that's yeah, and, and you're continuing on the legacy of that, right? So, correct. so, you know, you're, you're breaking cycles with those types of things. And, you know, and I'm so glad you brought up Dave Ramsey because there's, there's so much of, of this like leverage and overextension and people are just maxing credit cards and doing all yeah. these things. Something like and, two trillion worth of debt in the world right now. It's it's abs- ab- like it's astronomical. It's crazy. Well, and, and the idea of like, <laughs> the idea of I think the average consumer debt, like consumer debt, not even like household, like like owning a house. The average consumer debt in Canada is something like fifteen thousand dollars per household yeah. or something like that. Yeah, like like it's On astronomical. Yeah, you know, yeah. for for your for your 70 inch tv and for your you know all these different things like like we and and then you know you look at somebody like dave ramsey that tells you to to pay off all your all your debts and then start saving and investing uh, smartly and doing these things and and he he's looked at like he's crazy because oh well you don't earn that much when you're saving and you don't do all these different things and you should leverage because you'll make more money but th- that other mentality other than dave ramsey is a big reason why we're in the economic situation that we're in and probably the one that's going to come because for probably 10 years now, economically in Canada, we've been in an expansion phase, right? So we've had, we've had 
good interest rates. We've had all these different things. People are borrowing money out their ass for whatever they want. They're they're taking all these risks and doing all this stuff because money is so easy to get, so cheap interest rates and stuff like that. When that changes in the near future, there's going to be a lot of people that cannot cover those debts. Like it, it was said, and I don't know if this, this goes into Canada specifically, but it's probably similar. They said in the United States, and this was probably two or three years ago, so it's like even more relevant now, that most most average American if they have an emergency, like a, a one-off emergency that required more than $400 worth of yeah. money yeah. to cover, they couldn't cover it, right? Yeah. And, and that that's, that's the debt issue. That's the leverage issue. That's all that stuff because you have no income. You have no nest egg. Like, Every, yeah, everything's going out to credit card payments. Yeah, I have my line of credit and there's more on it recently because I've been investing in Bitcoin and trying to do some different entrepreneurial things online and paying people with fiber and whatever else. But I still have room on that line of credit to be able to like cover emergencies if I need them, right? And I, I have I I'm I'm in a situation where I'll never max out my 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 debt because I don't want to. And people are like, well, the, the minimum interest payments on your line of credit are so cheap, but it's like, yeah, but I don't want to. Just what are you going to spend interest. it on? Like, what, what are you going to spend yeah. it on a TV? No, if you're going to yeah. spend that credit, you need to, you need to spend it on something that's going to return you money, return yeah. you something that'll pay back interest. Plus most people yeah. don't do that. They'll take out a line of credit on their house and they'll buy a new car, a yeah. TV. They like it, We, as a society and it's governmental as well, we live yeah. constantly beyond our means, constantly, and yeah. we think we're entitled to it. it yeah. There's a lot of people are in for a rude awakening. Absolutely, I, and, and, and I mean, it, it like yeah. it's system wide. It's it's the system is taking the dollar off the gold standard way back in the day. Set this whole thing off because money is nothing now. It doesn't. It has no meaning. Yeah. You press a button and you could just money printer go burr. Like it's, yeah. it's well, meaningless. And, Money's, and you know, meaningless. The, the, the thing, the thing that I, it's one of the reasons why I wanted to get the, um, the, the job with the bank was because that money, I mean, I, I, I'm, I've always been open about this, that I'm, in very in very very short months, I'm going to be buying a new motor for my Oldsmobile because I've had the same car for 22 nice. years. So I'm gonna I'm gonna spend stupid money going. On, on, on that car, right? Um, and I'm gonna yeah. race it, which also has a return on investment because I think um, just for fun, I'm probably gonna get some GoPros and stick them to the car and maybe do some wheelchair nice. drag racing content or something like that for my cool vehicles. Or I don't know what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna try and not make it a thing and just have fun with it and see what happens. Um, and then if I don't want to do it, I won't do it either. But, um, but so that's my, that's my idiot expense coming up. But, but right now Perfect. I currently live on the income that I make, right. Uh, with my disability benefits and the, the other job that I have. Um, so without me being completely ridiculous, which is hopefully I've, I've learned enough not to be is the money that I make from this job coming up will be directly onto my line of credit because I never, I never carry a balance on my credit card. I always pay my credit card off with my, with either the, um, the reward money that I get off of the, off of the points that I got off my card. So basically what happens is I essentially um, get free money off the credit card because I never carry a balance. And then I use those points to actually pay the balance more. So probably I get maybe 
doesn't sound like much, but two, three hundred bucks a year free money off the credit card because I never carry a balance um, that just goes to the balance. And then the line of credit, because the interest rate is so much lower, I always pay the credit card off with that. And this new job will pay the line of credit off. And then eventually I'll have that money to do something else with. So if there becomes a big investment that I want to put some money towards, if a friend has an entrepreneurial venture I want to be a part of, or if there's some sort of local thing that I can invest some time or money in and take another risk, I can do that. But that's the, that's what this is creating for me is, is to be able to, is to be able to just have those things sitting there so I can be like, Oh, you need X amount of dollars. I can just grab that and then go put it on that thing. That's the same thing that I did with the Bitcoin or the the cryptocurrency was I wanted to take a shot at it. And so I, I put myself a budget together. I just a small one and I threw it at it. So now I don't lose sleep over the fact that my crypto is going bonkers right now because I don't care. I didn't leverage myself to the point where I need it to return. If I lose it, I lose it. You know, I'll be a little bit yeah. choked about that, but it's no different than throwing a couple hundred bucks down on a blackjack table for me at this point. If it pays off, it pays off. If it doesn't, then it's a learning lesson, right? And most people don't, they don't ever <laughs> invest money or put something forward that they have um, the means in which to lose because they're so over leveraged, right? Um, and I just, I just, it, it is, it's a mentality of, like you said, entitlement and different things, right? Um, well, if, um, people, you know, if you put some money together after I get my four flex bill, but we can go on a deal together. There you go. There's always, there's yeah. always that option too. Right. So, so that's, that's something that I always look at too, is like investing in, in, in opportunities where, um, you, you know, the, like you said, the return on investment is higher than the. Than, than what I've put in, right? Which is which is yeah. great too. So it's um, you know, it's it's interesting to see what's going to happen, and it, you know, and I know there are some people that are going to listen to this and say, well, not everybody, everybody, um, some people get into to bad situations and run into bad luck and lose a job and do all that kind of stuff, and that's why they have some debt. And again, <coughs> I have empathy for that, but that's also why we have these conversations, me and friends and things like that. Is so you you yeah. don't. Overextend yourself, you get into a, a position where you can take bad, care of yourself. There's always a reason to be in a bad situation. Everybody, yeah. everybody has a reason. It, right. um, and, it, it's, and so you want to plan for it if you can. You right? do, but and, and you, you, you want to do the best. Those yeah. reasons can't be a wall stopping you from moving forward. There's, there's yeah. no that wall is all in your head. Whatever obstacle you find in front of you. Just go around it. Yeah, like absolutely. People, it's easy to say. It's like you said before. It's 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 how to do how do how do you do it? You don't know, but each, I don't know, man. Each person's yeah. different. Their story is different, which is understandable. Their challenges are different, but that doesn't mean that those challenges can't be overcome. Well, exactly, and I think the thing that that if it, if this has taught us anything, um, you know, over the last, well, even just the last. 25 30 years like a lot of people's problems are the same right like as much as we talk about being different a lot of people's problems are the same is you know, not, not making enough money to be able to have the things that they want um or they're making enough money but then they don't have the time or um they overextend and don't have the savings 
to be able to cover, you know, um, costs if something happens, somebody in the family gets sick or something like that, right? Or you don't have the right coverage with health insurance or, or whatever the whatever whatever those things are. We all sort of often run into the same type of things, and those that's why me getting this job at the time that I'm at, where I don't have a ton of debt and I can manage everything, it for me specifically is the smartest time to do it because then I can go into taking care of my own stuff. And for you, you know, your journey is way more extreme than mine, but, but for you to be sitting in a van in the back, of, you know, in the, in the back of your van for sleeping in a van for seven years to do this, you know, you're going to be, you, like you said, there's, there's, there's all the financial value and all the things that you'll get out of it from the goal. But like you said, at the beginning of this, um, who you are as a person and the person that you've become is, is insanely valuable as well. Right. So, you know, having that, being able to be able to, you know, I don't know if you have, if you have a mirror in your van, but whenever you're in the bathroom or, you know, in your hotel room tonight, when you get to look in the mirror before you hit the sack, you know, you get to be happy with who you are. Right. And that, that's that ever elusive sort of victory within. Right. And you, I agree. I agree with that. You achieve that. And I think that's one of the things that a lot of people chase because I've been chasing it for years. I'm still chasing it. Because I don't, admittedly, I'm not super happy with myself and I'm not overly confident and I tend to think that I talk too much and think too much and overshare and all those things, which makes 100% sense on why I would have a podcast. But um, I tend to overshare as well. It's but a so I don't, yeah. And, and so I don't, I'm not super happy with myself on a consistent basis. So I'm chasing that, that being happy with myself. And so hopefully what will happen with these next few shifts and going in a completely different direction, trying not to be an internet millionaire or a, or a famous on YouTube or anything like that. Um, I'll be able to find some contentment within a little bit more. Um, and, you know, it sounds like you've got that to a, a big degree. So congratulations. Thank you. I appreciate it. It, uh, it, it was hard fought, hard won. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and, you know, um, we'll have you on the podcast here again. Because, uh, you know, I want to, you know, well, I, I've enjoyed this conversation and hopefully people that are listening will, will enjoy it as well. And, um, and we'll, uh, and I also want to keep, keep in touch with you and see where you are in the process and as things move along. Right. So definitely. I'd love to do that. This is fun. I've enjoyed yeah, it. Yeah. And it's been great. And um, yay for technology because it's, you know, 10 years ago, we wouldn't have been able to do this as easy. So. I'm happy. So yay for technology. Yeah. So uh, we'll probably end her there. And this has been episode one thirty five of the Roland Ramblin podcast with my friend Josh. Uh, you can pronounce your last name. Joshua um, Baruby. Excellent. And uh, this has been wonderful. So thanks very much, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks for having yeah. me. Take care. Yeah. Absolutely. Bye bye.